Welcome to the Business Leader Podcast. My name is Serena, and today our guest is the CEO and founder of JBM, an executive search firm working with fast-growing tech startups and scale-ups. He is also the host of his own podcast, 40 Minute Mentor. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to receive the latest episodes. We'd love to hear your feedback. Email questions at businessleader.co.uk to get in touch. And now it's time to welcome James Mitra to the podcast. Welcome, James. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Hi, Serena. It's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Great. So let's just start with finding out a little bit more about your journey up until this point. So what does that journey look like? Yeah, of course. Um, so um, I'm a history graduate. I did my degree at Uni- University of Leeds, um, not really having a clue what I wanted to do, if I'm totally honest. I loved sports. I loved music. Um, I loved history, but didn't really want to go work in a museum or be a teacher like my parents are. My parents, interestingly, are, are teachers and also preachers. So I wasn't really ever going to follow in their path. But um, basically, like a lot of people in my industry, I kind of graduated, didn't really know what to do, ended up going along to an interview at a recruitment business, an international recruitment company, and kind of fell into it that way. So I spent two and a half years uh, at a company called Michael Page on their graduate scheme, where I had incredible training. And just because of the timing, it was just uh, sort of at the back end of the, the last recession in 2008 nine and so the the team had been kind of gone from being a really large one to a really small one and it was very much a sink or swim mentality so i had to kind of quickly learn the ropes and get exposure really quickly to to quite senior people in banking and consulting and i quickly found out that i was i was quite good at it um really enjoyed talking to senior people really loved the consultative aspect of helping people with their careers and finding jobs but the truth is, after sort of two and a half years, it, it went pretty well. Um, by no means was the best recruiter in the world, but had some success. But really found the corporate machine quite hard to deal with. It got quite burnt out and found that my style, you know, was almost discouraged. You know, I, I was much more interested in having coffees rather than being on the phone. I was much more interested in really making sure candidates got the right jobs for them. And sometimes that meant turning down offers as opposed to accepting them. And I just kind of, I getting to a point where effectively I was burning out and feeling quite miserable. And that was nothing to do with the people there, lots of fantastic people. It was just the kind of nature of the beast. Uh, There's a lot of pressure to, you know, hit your targets and call lots of people and cold call people. And that's just not me. So I ended up doing a, a year in a startup consulting firm. Um, it was kind of a, a, they did a bit of consulting, a bit of investing. It was quite an interesting business. And that gave me the the kind of eye-opener to the entrepreneurial world. I was completely out of my depth. I'd gone from you know thousands of people in the business, you know, with all the perks that come with that to a 10-person company where I had to go to Canterbury every so often on the train. I got given an iPad and a credit card and they just said, go win us some business. And I'll be honest, I wasn't very good at it. Um, and quickly, I kind of decided to go back to my kind of recruiting skills and set up a, a recruitment business for them on the side, which within three months was quite successful. And I just thought after about a year, I was like, well, maybe I don't hate recruitment, but maybe what I want to do is try and do it in my own way. When I was 25, I had nothing to lose. I had amazing support from my uncle and some ex-clients who were encouraging me to go give it a go. And my wife or girlfriend at the time 
you know, it was just amazing. Just said, go for it. You can do it. And uh, yeah, that was 10, almost, yeah, over 10 years ago now where I uh, took the plunge, left that startup, set JBM up, all with a, a very clear vision of, you know, one, I didn't tell many people at the time because I was worried it would fail miserably. <laughs> but um, it was all about creating a business that would disrupt the recruitment and executive search industry by really focusing on the basics. And that's about being honest, being very much relationship driven and using my recruitment skills, but in a kind of, in a more entrepreneurial way and really kind of getting under the skin of organizations, focusing on culture and values alignment, and then really just like executing relentlessly to make sure that every, every opportunity we got, we would deliver amazing service. And yeah, I mean, the first two and a half years, there was no website, there was no team. It was just me. I was working out of my kitchen in Clapham, coffee shop to coffee shop around London, just trying to see if it would work. And I think Maybe some clients felt sorry for me and wanted to give me a go, this kind of cheeky young upstart that was trying to take on the big guys. And then others, I think, just really liked the refreshing approach. And long story short, it kind of, before I knew it, two and a half years down the line, I'd had a business that was working with top tier banks and consultancies and startups. And uh, yeah, before you knew it, I was hiring people in, uh, you know, 10 years on, we're, uh, I think, a, a very well respected search firm that works with the fastest growing startups and scale ups in the world and biggest investors. Uh, and we've done it all completely by sticking to our values. We've grown completely 100% through word of mouth. Uh, and now we have lots of other aspects to our business, uh, you know, a team of eight, um, one of the top podcasts in the country. And we love what we do. And it's not been all roses, lots of ups and downs, lots of challenges along the way. But, um, you know, that passion for, for kind of changing people's lives through what we do is still very much kind of burning within me. That seems to be a journey that's quite common in terms of getting experience in a field, you know, working for companies of various sizes and then really building your understanding of what kind of business you want to build yourself. You mentioned there that you faced various challenges along the way, but what has been a significant challenge that you faced in growing your own business and how did you overcome this? Yeah, great question. Um, ironically, my biggest challenge throughout the course of JBM and probably will continue to be is, is recruitment for myself, which sounds ridiculous given my day job, but there's something different about doing it. And I, I guess why I know how important the role we play for our clients is when it's your baby, when it's your business, particularly if it's a startup, like I still feel JBM is, even though it's 10 years old, you know, every hire is so critical and it very much can make or break a company. And I've made countless mistakes over the last 10 years around hiring. And it's not all been hiring terrible people at all. You know, pretty much everyone we've hired has been a, 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 you know, a really good person, very skilled at what they do. But I haven't always got the right person at the right time in the right roles. So I've learned tons over the last 10 years about that. And one of the kind of um, outcomes of that poor decision making effectively was that we got to a point about five years ago, where the team was similar size to what it is today, eight. Uh, to the outside, we double revenues year on year, we double the size of the team year on year, and everything looked so shiny and lovely from the outside. But the reality was I had hired you know, great recruiters that weren't kind of entrepreneurial enough, probably, for the environment, and who, frankly, were probably not as well suited for the environment. Um, and that was partly uh, because of me, because I wasn't the I'm not the best people manager. 
Uh, I, I'm very entrepreneurial. You probably hear this a lot from founders. You know, I'm, I'm more of a, a, a sort of ideas person, great with clients, great with leading the, tr- the, the troops and, and kind of hopefully inspiring and setting a vision. But I'm not so great on the details. And, and I think I was hiring people that, that needed closer management and needed more support. And so I got to this point where I looked around and all of a sudden I was, had like all these direct reports. I had a fantastic, uh, effectively business partner, Tim, who, who I relied on hugely for kind of keeping things going. Um, but we looked around one day and we were like, oh my God, we, we're not sure we had the right people here. Like I'm still doing the bulk of the, the revenue. Our cost base has gone up ridiculously. We're basically going out to find work to kind of feed the mouths we have which isn't always the right type of work or the right types of clients. That's not what we're about. We're supposed to be kind of working with entrepreneurial companies and, you know, working with people that really buy into the way we do things, which is very different in our industry, you know, and coupled with that, I was feeling very stressed. I was working longer hours than ever. I wasn't seeing my young daughter and my wife. And I was just getting quite miserable, to be honest with you. And I think at the time, I didn't really realize how burnt out I was. And I guess the, the impact was that we also had some bad luck that year. We had a couple of our, our entrepreneurial clients went under, went into administration, and we were owed about £80,000 through that. So before you know it, we are running into some quite serious uh, cash flow challenges. Uh, and JBM is a fully bootstrap business. I've never taken any money. And I was very, very proud of the fact that it had been run very like financially um, sort of sensibly. But it's incredible how quickly, if you don't kind of really keep a close eye on cash flow and you you know, ramp up your costs as quickly as we had done. And then you get bad luck like that. And then certain clients are late paying fees, which happens when you work with big organizations. And we were like scrabbling around going, oh my God, we might not hit payroll at Christmas. Like how terrible would that be? And, you know, and I've always prided myself on building a business where if there's a family dynamic where I I care so much about the team and the business. And the truth is, uh, it's a lesson to be learned that I've learned now is that I was too nice. I probably should have, exited people in the business earlier that were underperforming, but I really wanted it to work. So all this kind of combination got to this very stressful few months. Um, thankfully, uh, we, we managed to, to make some placements quickly. We just about survived without having to, to kind of miss payroll or, or go into our overdraft, which I, I took out just in case. And yeah, basically that forced me to realize that I have to make some serious decisions because I can't let that happen again from a stress perspective just from like pressure on the team and that was where we had like this this really almost felt like a religious experience we had our board advisor fred who was a executive at uber he came in helped us see the wood from the trees helped us realize that we needed to be working with startups exclusively not corporates anymore because actually that's where we got our energy from that was where we made our our revenue and had the quickest processes that's what gave us energy and he also helped us realize that the business wasn't fit for purpose in its current form. And so we took the really difficult decision to restructure the business. Tim was unbelievable in that time. He put his hand up and said, look, I think it's the right time for me to step aside as well. And we went from eight to three in what was a major, uh, majorly stressful and hard conversations that I had to have. Thankfully, the team took it incredibly well. And we, we did right by everybody. We gave them you know, a, a decent notice period. We helped facilitate moves for a lot of them you know, and incredibly transparent about the whole process. And I think that helped because a lot of those people have gone on to become great friends and advocates for our business. And yeah, effectively, 
I got the the two people in a room that, that were staying in the business. And I said, look, I know this isn't what you signed up for, but I think this could be the most exciting period of JBM because we're going into JBM 2.0. We're going to pivot the business and focus exclusively on the work that we want to do, which is startups. We're going to rebrand because I don't think our brand at the time reflected, you know, what we're all about, you know, entrepreneurial relationship focused. And yet the website was just skyscrapers, no people. And we're a people business. And thankfully, Perry and Alice went, we're so up for this. We're so excited. And they got fully on board. And we, we ended up having our best year ever that next year. And we ended up getting our love back for the business. And I actually ended up taking more control and setting more boundaries and having a better work-life balance as well off the back of it. And, and basically from that moment, that big pivot where we literally emailed all of our corporate clients the next day and said, you know, it's been wonderful working with you, but we are changing the way we're doing business and therefore we won't be working with you anymore. It was a terrifying thing to do, but there was just something exhilarating about that pivot that has basically set us on the path that we are today, which is, you know, we, we, we doubled our revenues last year. We're an eight-figure revenue business. We're now back up to eight employees, which, you know, I never thought I'd be again. I thought we'd always be a small, very small business. And off the back of that kind of focus around startups and, and scale-ups, I think we've genuinely become one of the, the leading players, not the biggest, you know, not the largest in terms of revenues or, or international scope, but in terms of if you're a startup or scale-up looking and scaling quick and you want an incredible search partner that really, uh, really cares about the work we do and can work at pace without compromising on quality, then I, I really think a lot of clients would hopefully, you know, at least have our name at the forefront of their minds. And that's something I'm so proud of. And, and it's basically off the back of the incredible people that we've been able to hire. So off the back of that big mistake around getting hiring wrong that almost got us into this hole through the learnings through that experience, I think we've made a lot of great hiring decisions uh, in recent years that have, uh, with a lot of help, I must say, from our board of advisors. But that's got us to this point today where, you know, I've never been more excited about uh, the business um, and that's surviving a pandemic and a current recession. Um, I think we're in a really good place and I'm, I'm really excited about the future. That is um, a very amazing story and, and definitely a very significant pivot, which uh, involves a lot of risk naturally. And that is something that a lot of business leaders will be facing at this moment in time in particular due to economic strain and various external pressures on their business. And that notion of having to decide whether they should restructure their business and let people go and really make some quite important and challenging business decisions, which won't always be easy. When you made this decision and this pivot, how did you know that this was the right decision at that time? I think you never know for sure. And that startup life is full of risk. But I think wherever possible, you want them to be measured and considered risks. And the truth is, I, I, something needed to change. So I, I guess I was forced into taking action. But I guess the way that I mitigated some of that risk was, you know, speak a lot to our board of advisors, Fred particularly, get counsel from people that have made pivots, get counsel from other recruitment owners that have been through difficult times. And then it's about sticking to your convictions and following through and then really kind of just giving it your everything. And look, sometimes these pivots don't work. And of course, there should be con some contingency in place. Like we didn't 
it's not like we said to our clients we would never work with corporates again. We were just saying for now we are we are going a different direction. So we knew we could probably could go back to some of those clients, but that would have felt like a failure to me. So I was all in. I got the team aligned to a new vision. They were incredible. And we almost had that like wartime mentality of right, we're gonna throw everything into this. And at the end of the day, in, in recruitment and exec search, you're only as good as your last placement. So the key thing is to continue delivering exceptional service. And our business has always grown through word of mouth. So as long as we keep doing that, as long as we keep giving candidates and clients the best service they've ever had, something that they can be really proud of. And I think as long as our candidates and clients know that we really care, I thought we'd be okay because to date we had always kind of done that and it had taken us that far. But yeah, it's it's definitely a, a nerve-wracking time for anyone that's looking to pivot. And I guess for now, you know, we advise a lot of founders on, you know, key hiring decisions, often at critical points in their journey. And I know how I, I guess one of the reasons maybe I relate so closely to a lot of our clients is because I've been in their shoes, not at the same scale, but I've had to make challenging decisions and I really am empathize with them because it's hard. Um, but I think that's where the power of mentorship comes in. And often you don't start a business unless you're willing to take risks, uh, but also that you back your yourself and you know you have a strong purpose and mission about why you're doing it. And I think the combination of those things, a great mentorship and advice, you know, seeing there's an opportunity, thinking it through, of course, but then actually throwing yourself at it. And also, you know, testing and iterating on those things. Sometimes it, it's actually not the first pivot, it's the second pivot that works. And kind of knowing that there's a, you know, you've got to give it everything for a bit. And if it doesn't work, you need to be self-aware enough to know or have the right people around you that can can challenge your thinking. And then maybe it's a case of, you know, going back to the drawing board. But it's amazing how many incredible companies come out of the back of a pivot. And certainly I, I wouldn't say we, you know, blow our, our, our sort of horn too much, but you know, we've really kicked on because of that pivot. And it's actually given us the freedom. And I think the team have felt the, the freedom themselves to try new things. And that, that there's not going to be a blame culture here. We, we want our team to kind of be progressive, think outside the box and try new things. And, and often some of the very best things we've ever done have come off the back of that sort of innovation mentality. So I, I would always counsel anybody to try and create that sort of spirit in a business because it's often where the best ideas come from. And very rarely do they come from the top. Uh, you know, sometimes the founders have amazing businesses, but sometimes it's about creating the environment for others to come up with ideas and then like, uh, you know, rewarding them, celebrating them for that, and then kind of really seeing those through. And that's something that I'm really proud of that as a business, the team, I think, feel that they can, yeah, really have a say and really have an impact. With JBM, you recruit people in executive roles. And so what have you noticed is a common challenge that those in executive roles are facing right now or tend to face time and time again? Yeah, I, I, a really good question. I think this is a, a unique time. The reality is right now, there are roles out there, but especially the more senior you get, the less roles there are going to be. And in a recession, that's going to be impacted even more so. So I think often we, you know, at the moment, you won't be surprised to hear that we're getting a lot of candidates approach us, a lot of candidates be introduced to us because they're on the market or they're looking for new opportunities. And there are not that many incredible senior roles out there. They exist. We're very lucky to be working on some really exciting searches, but it's, you know, small volume 
And therefore, I think if you're an executive right now that's thinking about career options, I think first and foremost, ensuring that, you know, your career in its current form and in the organization you're in, you know, that there's there's trajectory for you there and trying to maximize the role you have right now and the experience. And if you're not particularly happy in it, hopefully it's an environment where you can be transparent enough to, you know, share that. You can maybe look at ways to how can you how can you take more learnings from your current position? How can you strengthen your skill set? You know, maybe take on new functional areas of expertise. Maybe it's, you know, uh, you help the business go international because you've never done that before. Or you you take PL ownership for something. Or you uh, or maybe it's taking on a different managerial responsibility. There's lots of different ways you can evolve your role. Of course, there are times where you plateaued and it's time for a change or you you know, the business situation changes and it's and you, you have to look externally. And I think there are just some things that I would advise any executive to, to do to help you have success in that job search. Firstly, it's managing your own expectations that it's going to take time and it might not come straight away. So there are some things I think you can do to be deliberate to support your search process. Number one is obvious, but really important. And that's networking. Networking really effectively. Some people think of networking as this dirty word it's like schmoozing in some like cheesy bar somewhere but it's not like that it doesn't never has to be um it's really about meaningful connections it's about putting yourself out there being proactive you know and and also it's a two-way thing it's about adding value to other people so that they can help you down the line so i think uh, uh, the first thing you can do on that is optimizing your linkedin so make it clear what you are what you're good at what you're looking for, if appropriate, or if not, just making sure that shop window gives uh, recruiters the chance to find you. Two, you can, using LinkedIn as well, you can expand your network unbelievably. It's an amazing tool, uh, depending on the industry you work in. But but in my world, you can connect with thousands of people and, and you will be surprised at the number of people that are willing to have a coffee or, or help you with your job search. So get out there, think about former colleagues that you've, you've maybe not stayed in touch with that you can connect with. Friends of friends, family friends, um, you know, companies you admire. Be proactive, reach out to people, start connections. And remember, it's a long game. So, you know, don't sell, don't, don't force things, but just kind of build meaningful relationships and pay it forward, help others, you know? And I think if you, if you go in with an open mind and, and, and with that kind of frame of reference, then I think it will really endear you to others. So that's, that's kind of the first thing about networking. If you've worked with investors before, that's a great angle to go down, you know, go connect and meet up with VCs or private equity investors, founders that you've worked with before, past bosses. You'll be amazed if you're really good at what you do, people will be advocates for you. And sometimes you just have to let the pride kind of go to one side and just just not be afraid to ask for help. The second thing is build uh, relationships with recruiters and exec search partners, um, particularly if you're, you are an executive. And that can take time and not every search firm is going to be right for you. And you have to also appreciate that not every um, headhunter will always have time to have lots and lots of conversations. But if you can find ones that you gel with that are credible in your space, that have a proven track record, and frankly, who do the job in the right way, who are honest, give genuine feedback, who are consultative, who are well-connected, who can be creative. I think that's a really important one. Who are willing to be proactive on your behalf. Then I think invest in those relationships, build those relationships over the long term, because you will you don't know when they'll come in handy. But I think if you have, you know, a combination of your network sort of mobilized and then exec search partners and headhunters kind of keeping an ear out for you, you're kind of instantly kind of doubling the potential reach of that search. 
And then, you know, the other thing is, is again, pretty simple. Uh, it's about, you know, making sure your CV uh, really reflects you well. Uh, it's amazing how many really senior people have terrible CVs, mainly because they haven't had to rely on it. That often their network gets them jobs. But if you're forced into the market where you have to, you know, be sending your CV for roles and, you know, it is the ultimate shop window. So you must make sure it's tailored, it's succinct, it has the right level of detail, it's not too generic, it has impact. So the hiring managers are busy people. So they need to see instantly why they should keep reading, why you're relevant for the role. And that requires a bit of work, uh, but it's really worth it because, you know, whatever anyone says, I believe CVs are not dead. They still a big part of our processes. And I think it's, uh, don't get sloppy with that because it can often can come unstuck if you do. And then the final thing I'd say, I guess it's linked to network, but it's also linked to, you know, just personal brand. I think you can really get some amazing opportunities come your way if you invest in your personal brand. Um, so whether that's on LinkedIn, creating content, sharing thought leadership pieces, going to events, sitting on panels, going on podcasts, like Think about that as a longer term strategy to kind of getting yourself out there. And you'll be amazed at what comes your way if you kind of put yourselves on the radar of the right sorts of people. And the final, final thing I'd say, which is linked to our podcast is, is make sure you have a mentor. It doesn't matter if you're a CEO, a CRO, but you can still have mentors. And you can also be a mentor too, because I think the more senior you get, the more you have to give back, the more important paying it forward is for the future generations of leaders. And you're also being amazed at how valuable that can be for you as a leader from a humility standpoint, from learning how the younger generations and, and young talent is thinking about things. For me, mentorship goes both ways uh, and it's equally valuable. So I hope, I hope some of those points are useful for anyone that might be in that position right now, sort of starting to think about their career. I think it would be a little misguided if we're talking about recruitment and don't touch on the fact that in the UK we are experiencing a skills shortage. At the moment, there are more jobs than there are people to be able to fill them. So why might that be happening at this point in time in a way that it hasn't happened previously? It's really interesting, isn't it? I think part of it is that the world is moving at an incredible pace and there's so much innovation and there's so many opportunities out there that it's not as simple anymore that people graduate or people leave school and then they go into the same professions that they always have done. And um, we've seen the hospitality industry be massively hit since the pandemic, where there's just not enough people in our pubs and restaurants because people have chosen that that's not the path for them anymore. We have so much choice. There's a huge array of people that are starting portfolio careers. We launched a business unit called SOS, which is all centered around portfolio careers, around interim work, around fractional work, around project work. And that's because now you can be a multi-hyphenate. You can do lots of different things. And so that kind of more traditional nine to five is perhaps becoming less and less appealing to certain uh, people. I think we are a bit sport for choice. Um, I think we also have like a you know, an amazing entrepreneurial spirit in the UK at the moment and, and across the world where you're seeing people like Stephen Bartlett on Dragon's Den, young entrepreneurs that are kind of, you know, making entrepreneurship uh, more appealing. So you're getting people starting businesses earlier. And then you're also, you know, off the back of the pandemic, we've all kind of had, I guess, a, a, a perspective shift uh, around life, around um, what's important. And I think people are realizing that actually, Sometimes you do just want to go travel or you do just want to um, do your own thing or you don't just want to do the thing that your parents did and like what your degree tells you you should do. 
And I think that is that has had a lasting impact on people. And we're still kind of suffering from the trauma of the challenges of those years. I think that will probably correct itself a little bit, but I don't think things like portfolio careers or people wanting to start businesses will change. But I, I'm sure as the recession deepens, people will be having to, well, they'll probably sadly be forced into taking certain jobs. But the one thing I would say is that, and this is where we need innovation and I don't want to get political, but there's a lot of investment that needs to happen into certain things like the NHS and, and various other areas that I think will maybe mean that less people leave those industries and actually it can become an attractive employer of choice again. But I think one of my big takeaways from the last few years is just the importance of purpose and mission in what you do. And I think that's one of the overarching things that has been lost with certain employers is there are companies out there now that have such a strong purpose, such an opportunity to change the world or have a bigger impact. That is really the first thing that candidates ask us now, whether it's a graduate to an executive. The first thing people say to, to me, whether it's tackling the climate crisis, whether it's um, gender equality, whether it's diversity and inclusion, people want to do something that matters, uh, where they can have an impact. And if you haven't articulated your employee value proposition well enough, if your company doesn't stand for something, if you aren't authentic, then you're going to struggle to hire talent. And so I think, I think, and I'd also say to anyone that's sat here listening to this, that is thinking about starting a business, now is the time to start businesses that, that stand for something, that can have an impact in the world and that can do some good. Um, and I really think we're seeing a, a, you know, a swathe of entrepreneurs come through that are, are really trying to disrupt industries that desperately need disrupting, solve you know, sort of systemic challenges in our society that really need fixing. And as a result, they will hire the best people because that's what people and talent really want at the moment. And I think that has an impact probably in why there's certain shortages in certain industries and jobs, because it's not as aspirational anymore to just do X, Y, and Z. People really want to have this feeling of purpose. And I think employers and leaders, um, myself included, need to continually bang the drum about what our purpose is, what our mission is, so that we don't get left behind. Um, and JBM is such a purpose-driven business that works with purpose-driven businesses. I'd like to think we'll never lose that, but you can't rest on your laurels. You can't get complacent because, you know, you'll get found out. It will be interesting to see how the recession impacts retention rates and that skill shortage, uh, as well as employment across a variety of sectors. But some experts have said that businesses that are in the talent acquisition space will be one of the lucky businesses to succeed and, you know, capitalize um, over the next year. So do you agree with that? And if that is the case, is there any thing that you're doing to prepare your business to capitalize on the environment? It is an interesting thought. I mean, the reality is in a recession, there's less jobs to go around, typically. Um, now, I, I know we just talked about how the recession is to have, you know, they're struggling to find the people. But in, in my world, in startup world, um, there's less capital being deployed by investors. Companies are focusing much more on profitability rather than growth. So actually, there's going to be less roles than we're used to because we've been so busy for the last few years where it's kind of been growth at all costs, like higher, higher, higher. So I think depending on your industry, um, there will be opportunities for sure. 
I think for us, it's going to be less about volume, but it's going to be more about impact and a chance to work on some amazing. When when companies come to us now, it's because it is a critical hire. It's a game changing hire. It's the you know it's the first chief revenue officer to really turn, you know drive the revenue of a new product line. It's uh, a COO to scale the business uh, because they've just taken on funding and go international. It might be uh, a chief of staff to support a founder to achieve their dreams. Like uh, these are critical roles. I don't think it's going to be as uh, kind of the volume that we've been used to, but I actually think that the quality of the roles and the types of businesses we work with, linked to that purpose point, are going to be more exciting than ever. And I think therefore we can have a bigger impact in the world by finding that the leaders of some of these businesses that are genuinely changing the game and having an impact. So I think that's. That's the case. I do also think the recruitment businesses will get left behind if they don't innovate, if they don't build personal and individual and, and company brands. You know, we are not just a recruitment business. We are a content creation business. You know, our podcast has had over 600,000 downloads and is one of the leading careers podcasts. And that take a, that's taken a lot of work and we've had a lot of luck along the way and a lot of support to get there. But we did that early. Like we did that before most search firms had a podcast. And it's been an incredible source of business development for us, an incredible way to get our authentic voice across and out there. And it's probably too saturated a market now to start a podcast and try and make a, you know, it, it become a key part of your business because it's just really difficult to scale. And it takes a lot of time and a lot of consistency. But there are going to be other mediums that you can lean into. Events are still very powerful. We run breakfast events where we bring small groups of people together to have meaningful connections. We have partnerships that we create with founders, with investors, with um, COO networks. All of these things have like helped us get ahead of the curve and have like different levers to pull on if things get quieter amazing source of referrals amazing source of advice amazing source of insight so i think if you're a recruitment firm just smashing cvs at a door just gonna keep doing the same old thing that you've always done if you're being just really transactional as opposed to relationship focused and long-termist you're just gonna get found out and i think now is the time for recruitment to you know, really show that this industry has changed from the dark days of sharky, dishonest recruiters, and that now it's a truly critical professional service that is going to help change the lives of people and businesses. And that is really at the heart of JBM. And it sounds cheesy, but it's really important because I think I would genuinely say to people that recruitment is an incredibly rewarding career, but it's never been framed like that before. Whereas now when people are looking at careers, where else can you change someone's life by getting them a job? You know, where else can you work with a, such a variety of people on projects and interesting companies and where you have the creativity and entrepreneurialism to basically run your own business? When you run a recruitment desk, you're basically running your own business. That's, those are amazing things, but not always spoken about, not always highlighted as a, you know, a, a, a sort of meaningful career. And I would counter that and I would say it is. So, yeah, I, I guess I'm passionate about it, as you can probably tell, but I do think the recruitment industry has an important part to play in helping us get out of the recession, but it needs the right people and it needs the right kind of approach so that we can continue to be an industry that is, you know, adding a lot of value. I do just want to come back to your journey or just thinking about how you have come into your success and, and grown the business. We've obviously spoken about the major pivot that you've gone through and, and restructuring. 
But one idea that comes into people's heads when they think about their business growth is being in the right place at the right time. And so obviously, a lot of people might attribute that to being lucky. From your perspective, or in your opinion, do you feel as though business success is based on luck? Or is it based on hard work? It's definitely a bit of both, I think. But there is this kind of notion that startups are just sexy and amazing and just like, you know, the dream to be an entrepreneur. And the reality is most people aren't aren't cut out to be founders of businesses. A lot of people aren't cut out to work in startups because it's unbelievably difficult. You know, the amount of stress, even 10 years in, I have so many stressful days where, you know, like just the world feels like it's caving in on me. But I have, I guess, the resilience now. I have the experience and I have like this incredible belief inside that what we are doing is ultimately impactful and important for the world and people. And yeah, it's not saving lives or anything like that, but it is something that I have got a yeah, strong passion for. So I think it's really dangerous to to not <laughs> talk about the, the the hard grind that comes with startup life and particularly the recruitment world, which is not rocket science, but it's uh, it's challenging. So for me, you cannot build a business without real hard work, without real hustle, without incredible levels of resilience. But I think if you have those things and you work really hard and you frankly are humble enough to take advice and take criticism and learn from it, and you see every failure as a learning opportunity, then I think you'll find the luck kind of comes your way. And we've had tons of luck along the way. It's certainly not all been like great leadership and incredible success. You know, we launched our this SOS product uh, proposition, placing operators into interim fractional and advisory roles in lockdown. We all were always going to do it, but it was expedited because, uh, you know, we had to follow all our team because there was no no work. So I actually had the time to invest in building this proposition, which now makes up probably a third of our revenue in two years. So that was lucky in terms of the timing at what was a horrible moment actually became a critical part of, you know, our success. And I wouldn't have been able to have the, the headspace to focus on it were it not for the pandemic. Similarly with the podcast, the podcast came about as a way of us because we were fed up of the generic recruitment marketing out there. And we had gone through this big pivot. We thought, well, what's the quickest way for us to get our real authentic voice across and, and do something a bit different? And that was the podcast. And it was very lucky that a candidate of mine had just set up a, an agency focused on podcasting and was willing to give us a crack as one of his first clients. That was lucky. Now, off the back of that was unbelievable amounts of hard work and grind over three, four years to get to the point where we are today with 40 Minute Mentor, you know, being a popular podcast for aspirational folk that are looking for pocket-sized mentorship. But yeah, that's a combination of luck and hard work that we've got to the point we have today. So it's not one or the other, but I think hard work clear mission and purpose surrounding yourself with great mentors and the right people and you know working tirelessly will definitely you'll come across some luck along the way and then it's just about leaning into that luck and making the most of it it's now time for a very special segment we've teamed up with the joel dando news center to bring you the good news postcard your question today comes from india age 12 Hi, my name's India from Jill Dando News, and my question for you is if you could change one thing about your life, what would it be and why? Great question. Um, One thing about my life that I would change, I wish I didn't care so much about what people thought of me. 
I think this is something throughout my entire life. I'm a people pleaser. I love people to be happy in my team, at home, in my family, in my friends. Um, and that's just not realistic, you know, to be happy all the time, for everything to go perfectly well. And I care a lot about that. And I think that's maybe held me back from making difficult decisions, you know, letting people go when I should have done before. Um, so worried about the impact I would have that I've let things drag on and that's had an impact in our business. It's probably meant that I haven't made difficult decisions quicker. But the other thing is, I don't think I should care so much because it just holds you back. And I think sometimes you have to just believe in who you are and the decisions you're making and why you're doing it and not worry because at the end of the day, there's always going to be people that, you know, disagree with you and dislike you. And actually there's something really powerful about healthy debate and disagreement. And I think as long as it's done respectfully, that's actually a really good thing. And I think big topics like Brexit and various other things actually and Harry and Meghan and all that actually having healthy disagreement and debate around it is not a bad thing. It doesn't have to be all one-way traffic. So I think that's something that I'm continually looking at and working on for myself, work in progress. <laughs> um, but that's, that's probably the one thing that comes to mind right now. Great. Thank you for sharing, James. Just our final two questions. And this one is one that we ask all of our guests and we are Business Leader Magazine. So this question is, what makes a great business leader? I would say a few things for me. One is humility. I think uh, the best leaders I know are exceptional what they do, um, but they're also humble enough to know when they've made mistakes and admit those and be open to other ideas um, and are incredibly approachable because I think that sets the right tone for the business from the top. If your leader is happy to get stuck in, you know, happy to make their coffees, open the doors, get involved with things that need getting involved with that maybe the most junior person in the business is doing as well. Just like humility for me is the most important quality in, in anyone, to be honest with you. I think bravery is the other quality that you need to be brave. You need to be able to take risks, calculated risks. You need to be, um, you know, have strength in your convictions when you're making difficult decisions and not be afraid to do that. Uh, that's the second one. And then I would say the third one for me is that you're honest, authentic, true to yourself. And I think these are all kind of linked and transparent. And, and I think those qualities will mean that your team look up to you, you know, admire that. Um, and I think it creates a, an environment where you can have, you know, you can have healthy debate, you can have disagreements and then move on. And it's done in a respectful way and that you know where you stand. And I think that is sometimes the biggest challenge. If your leader is, you know, doesn't tell you anything and just makes decisions and, and doesn't communicate and isn't vulnerable and isn't all these other things, then what tends to happen is you kind of, you don't know where you stand, you're in the dark and it doesn't create the right culture in a business. Great. Thank you so much for sharing, James, and for also being a guest on our podcast. Do you have any final words for the audience today? And where can they find you on social media and your podcast? Thank you so much for having me. It's been a really enjoyable chat. So you can find me on LinkedIn. That's my main platform or at um, jbmc.co.uk is our website. Please go check out our podcast, 40 Minute Mental. It's the thing I'm probably most proud of in my entire career. And that's not because it's me. It's because of the 120 plus leaders we've had on it from Olympians like Jess Ennis Hill to unicorn founders to investors to politicians to Top Gun pilots. We've had so many incredible people that got to the top of their careers but are vulnerable and 
open about the challenges they faced and the learnings they've had. And I think that would be my parting point around not just checking out the podcast, but also just really making sure if you don't have a mentor, that you go out and get one uh, because it's been so critical to my career. And I, I just think everybody needs a mentor. And mentorship comes in so many forms. So that can be just listening to the podcast. It could be having a formal mentor. It could be having multiple mentors, but get out there and have it, you know, because mentorship will, will change your life and your career. And I think in the spirit of paying it forward, as we always say on the podcast, mentorship goes both ways. So don't just go out and get a mentor if you don't have one, but also go offer mentorship to others. Because, you know, I think if we can all be a bit more up for that sort of thing and willing to pay it forward, then karma will come back around. And yeah, you never know when you're going to need somebody to do a favor for you. And sometimes that's the spark that you need to really change someone's life and give them the maybe it's the kick up the arse that they need. Excuse my French. Uh, but it also might be the way to give somebody the confidence to go for something that they've always wanted to do, but maybe they've been held back or just seeing the wood from the trees. So yeah, go get a mentor. Go give mentorship and I'd say just follow your purpose and passion and um, yeah, I hope that's helpful for somebody out there.